today on Ag News Daily. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a nice sunny day here in central Iowa. My name is Delaney Howell, joined by Mike Pearson for today's Market Monday, which is sponsored today by agmarket.net. We'll have Brian Split on here in just a little while to chat about the markets. But Mike, we're gearing up to get some potential snowstorm across much of the plains, the Midwest. That's not great news for folks out there in the combines or tractors. No, it isn't. Talked to a lot of folks. In fact, we were on the phone with Mitchell Hora earlier today of Continuum Ag, and he said they were rushing, rushing, rushing to finish up their corn harvest and start getting some cover crops in before this snow hit. Yeah, we have been uh, combining beans all weekend, trying to get those done before the snow as well. I think I don't know if we're going to make it or not, but uh, I'm sure there are a lot of folks scrambling. There are, and today at 3 o'clock, we will get the USDA's crop progress report. As of right now, the USDA is anticipating that the corn harvest will be 47% complete. The five-year average at this time of year is 64%, Mm. so still expecting about a 20% delay in corn harvest. And with soybeans, we're still behind the five-year average, but not as bad. The trade is anticipating 65% complete versus the average at 78%, so 13 points behind. But like you say, Delaney, if this bad weather manifests today and then they're talking another more severe storm later on this week across many of the same areas, we could see this slowdown uh, really push us behind the eight ball yet again. Yes, we could. And we still continue to see range bound, especially in the grains. So it seems that I don't know if they'll react to this weather or not, but that is something we will chat with Brian Split about here in just a little bit. Absolutely. But before we get into that, Delaney, we've got news happening in the world of agriculture. What news is jumping out at you today? What are the big headlines in the world of Delaney Howell? Well, in the agricultural headlines, Mike, maybe not in the world of Delaney Howell, but in the agricultural headlines, big news today. Well, potential for big news, I should say, as many things are when it comes to government related agendas, but the USDA is officially weighing whether or not they're going to do a second tranche here of the MFP payments. They have to decide that here, I'm not sure what the exact date is in November, but they have to decide it sometime in November. And Bill Northey gave some quotes to reporters, and and basically what they're doing is they're looking at this phase one deal, is it going to be implemented in time or not? And he also said that he understands, and the USDA understands, that prices are still low. A lot of farmers are in the fields. They've already had to price out crops for this year, so it still may make sense to do a second tranche. And then the third tranche, we're already looking out to January here, is going to be made independently of what the administration decides to do about this November round. So I guess even if November they decide not to do a payment, there could still be another third payment, or I guess at that point it would be a second payment in January. Yeah, and I've got a feeling we'll probably end up with something on this second payment, given given all of the discrepancies behind the bonus PP payment we saw, which which a lot of growers didn't get mm-hmm. because so many of them rushed to put corn in the ground, given the fact that we still have this battle going on with China, though we did get news 
that President Trump is expected to or is expecting to sign a deal down in Chile with uh, President Xi on this phase one. And according to him, things are moving along well ahead of schedule, and they should have a printed document to affix their signatures to uh, when they get to Chile, which I believe is uh, very shortly, in the next couple of weeks. Yes, I think within the first two weeks of November. Right, 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 right. And due to that news, um, we had a bit of a setback in the U.S. dollar index earlier today. Basically, the idea that we are going to reach a trade deal kind of reduced the demand for safe haven currencies. Uh, the idea that perhaps the global economy might be returning to its more natural state has uh, left investors feeling a little more optimistic and a little more willing to take some risks. And, of course, we also have the Federal Reserve meeting this week. They're meeting Tuesday and Wednesday. And again, there is an expectation that we could see yet another rate cut come out of this meeting. We'll know for sure Wednesday afternoon, but that is uh, the way things are shaping up. So the weaker dollar should be a beneficial factor for uh, commodity prices. Yes, I saw that news as well, Mike. And I'm going to take it back to the trade front here for just a second, because as you mentioned, we saw some news there on the U.S.-China trade front. We also may see some things moving along here on the USMCA trade front. House Democrats are nearing a vote to ratify the agreement, according to Mexico's top North American negotiator that released some statements on Friday at a press conference alongside their Mexican president. And he said that they've had some really progressive talks with Speaker Nancy Pelosi, as well as other U.S. lawmakers, and they think that the end is near. It's a complex story, but they think finally they are really near a final deal, a ratification process, but they never offer a timeline in these comments. So they didn't offer a timeline. This was more just kind of vague guessing. That was the way you interpreted it? I think so, yeah. Maybe a little more. Maybe also, too, I, you know, this is just me being a conspiracy um, looking outside, outside looking in in Washington D.C. after watching all these political shows and stuff, but uh, I'm also wondering too if there's a little bit of Mexico deciding like let's make some comments, let's try and get the U.S. to see that we're on their side, but also like let's try and hurry them along a little bit by making these comments to the public. Right, right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, you gotta use all the leverage you can get to push, push, push. Mm-hmm. That's what my guess is. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. We're talking a lot about international news today here on the podcast because so much of agriculture in North America is dependent on what happens around the world. And we had a big election down in South America over the weekend. We had the Argentinian election. Four years ago, Mauricio Macri was elected to much celebration on the part of the ag community. He was elected. He, his goal was to make the country more capitalistic, reduce taxes and tariffs, uh, particularly on the ag export side. And uh, his government wasn't very well received. Argentina has been, uh, has been struggling under his leadership for a lot of different reasons. And so on Saturday, Argentinians elected a new president. They elected a man by the name of Alberto Fernandez, and he is um, uh, much more socialistic than uh, than Macri. And there are going to be some changes to how Argentina approaches its issues. However, he did come out on uh, 
either right before or right after his election and say that he is not currently planning any huge changes to the export taxes on Argentinian goods. He also didn't come out and say how he plans to fund a lot of the programs he'd like to create. So Ag, uh, Ag is still very nervous about how this could change the world they have gotten used to here over the past four years. Um, his running mate is a name many of us in agriculture are familiar with, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. She was the previous president of Argentina from 2007 through 2015, and it was her administration that put those 35 to 50 percent export taxes on soybeans. So she is definitely a part of this administration, and it's expected that she's going to uh, push for you know, some of those uh, things again. And Mike, was there any reaction in the Argentinian? There's a peso too, I think, isn't it? Yep, the Argentinian peso, it, it actually gained a little bit on the news because now at least there's some certainty, uh, but it's highly volatile still, and uh, the central bank is tightening controls on their currency purchases, and uh, their bonds dropped uh, 1.6%, and their country risk index, which I, I don't fully understand, but it sounds like a bad deal, climbed over 100 points. So uh, mm. still some, uh, some uncertainty down there in, uh, in Argentina. Well, another industry that continues to have uncertainty, and we are going to add hopefully a little clarity to that later this week with Robert White of the RFS, but, excuse me, the RFA, but that is the RFS itself. And the EPA is kicking off today a comment period for allowing folks to share their thoughts on the recent release of the plan to offset biofuel volumes, and they are publishing the official standard rule in the Federal Register today, which officially kicks off that comment period. And they also have some stuff going on in the Hill this week. They have a House hearing on Tuesday and the agency's public meeting on Wednesday. And I'm sure they are going to get a lot of farmers and ethanol producers that will be attending that public meeting sharing their thoughts. Absolutely. So listeners, if this is an issue that's important to you, and I think it is to a lot of corn growers, get on there to the EPA website and make your comments known. They they do seem to pay attention to that under this administration, even if it's been slow in coming as it relates to ethanol. Delaney, I have just one other piece of news before we jump into the markets, and this is an update from Friday. Friday afternoon, we got the cattle on feed report, and it was pretty much right in line with expectations. It was mildly bullish in the sense that now we have some certainty with regard to placements in feed yards. Uh, the report showed a total inventory of 11.278 million head uh, on feed. That's a decrease of 1.1%, again, right with analyst expectations. Uh, total inventories were there. We also had placements. Let me find that number. Analysts were expecting a 1.5% increase, and we ended up with a uh, excuse me, a uh, 2% increase, so a little higher than uh, than the trade was guessing on average, but there was a very, very wide range of guesses. And uh, then we're seeing the uh, seeing the cattle market resume its bullish uptrend that it's been in since the, uh, the Tyson fire. All right. All right. Well, let's jump into the markets. And ladies and gentlemen, our markets are brought to us by our friends at agmarket.net, the marketing knowledge you need to make the market. Call agmarket.net. Net. We've got mixed trade today here in the grains, corn market down, bean market up slightly, and wheat kind of uh, taking it on the chin yet again. December corn closed down two and three quarter cents at 384 even. The March contract was down three at 394 and a half. In soybeans, November contract up half a penny at 920 and three quarters. January up a penny, finished at 
35 and a half. Chicago wheat December contract off six cents on the day at 5.11 and three quarters. The March down five and a half, finished the day at 5.18 even. Jumping over to livestock, mixed trade in the cattle complex. December live cattle up 52 and a half cents at 116.60. February up 65, finished at 121.72 and a half. In feeder cattle, the November contract up 35 cents at 145.72.50. January unchanged on the day, closed again at 141.60. Looking at lean hogs, the December contract was up 72 and a half cents at 65.65. February up 62 and a half cents to close at 73.97.50. And as we jump into the dairy market, November class three milk was up 13 cents on the day at six, excuse me 19.68. December up four cents, closed the day at 18.61. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our good friend Brian Split for MagMarket.net. Well, folks, it is Hashtag Market Monday, and we're excited to be chatting with one of our newest sponsors, the folks over at agmarket.net. On the phone with us today is Mr. Brian Split. Brian, how are you doing today? I am doing just fine for a Monday and pretty good otherwise, so thanks for Wonderful. having me. Wonderful. So that's all we can do is try to do pretty well for a Monday. Before we get too far into most of the markets, I want to pick your brain on the cattle on feed report that came out on Friday. We did see uh, we did see some numbers come out. We got some certainty in the markets. What's your take on the cattle on feed that was released there for October? Well, I think it looks slightly bullish. We've obviously ran uh, pretty hard into these numbers. Um, it looks like this uh, market may just want to continue to uh, trade higher until this October contract uh, leaves the board. And uh, once we have October go off, maybe we see the market take a little bit of a break. But, boy, this is probably one of the the strongest uh, rallies I, I can remember in, in any market with really just no dips, just uh, uh, an aggressive uptrend that uh, keeps on going day after day. It does, and it's one of those things where we've uh, we've certainly seen a really nice rebound both in the October and in the December contracts, and even more the deferreds um, after this fire, Brian. But there are still concerns that perhaps we don't necessarily have the slaughter capacity if packer margins start to back off too much. Do you think we're going to be able to maintain this strength going forward? Can that December muscle its way to 120 before expiration? You know, we actually saw a very, very similar move to this back in, I believe it was 2016. And if you look at the uh, December 2016 futures, uh, the market traded under a dollar, and uh, we had made some lows actually in mid-October. So I I believe the bottom came a little bit earlier this year. Uh, But the market continued to rally, and uh, we found strength really going into the expiration of the contract. Uh, and, and actually, December futures that year traded up to 123.70 on the last day of the contract. So uh, it is entirely possible that the December contract this year uh, could do something very similar. We made some lows uh, early September this year, again, below a dollar. Um, we had some highs that were made back in spring. And that was just around that 124 area, 124 and 124.17. So to have this market go all the way back up and, and retest the highs that we had last spring uh, is entirely possible. Now, just considering the, the scope of the rally that we've had, uh, I don't think it's a horrible idea, especially since the uh, the options don't have a, a ton of time left on them. If you've got some animals, 
that do need to have a floor under them. Uh, these December options really only have uh, uh, 39 days. It's December 6 is when they expire. And I think you could put a, a pretty reasonable floor under the market. Um, heck, we had some lows made uh, just, what was it, 10 days ago, uh, right around 112. You could buy a 112 put for under a buck right now. Uh, just to prevent from a, a collapse happening here if the market did turn around and turn around aggressively. Now, Brian, before we get to talking about the grains, I want to ask the feeder cattle markets. We are gearing up here for a potential end of October winter storm, which is, you know, horrid to even talk about. But do we see any potential impact in the feeder cattle market with this if we do get snow coming across the upper plains and the Midwest? Well, I do think that um, the weather can be an impact on the on the, the cattle and, and the feeder cattle market. Um, any winter weather uh, should make live values go higher. That's generally going to be supportive to the market. Uh, one of the things I've actually been watching for the feeder cattle market specifically is uh, some comparisons uh, back to 2009, for example, where we had a, a lower quality, low test weight crop. Um, crop came out of the ground uh, wet, and what ended up happening is uh, a lot of the producers in cattle country, um, they decided rather than market the corn, they walked it off uh, the farm, um, and and we had tremendous demand for feeders because of that. So uh, I know we, we're going to see potentially how the weather affects things, but I think if, if the producer does not like uh, the idea of, of marketing the, the corn crop specifically, especially with the live cattle market rallying, uh, they may be looking at uh, feeding this, the, uh, the bushels uh, off the farm, and uh, that could provide some rather good demand for, uh, for feeders here moving forward if that's the case. Now, let's talk, as long as we're talking livestock, Brian, let's go ahead and hit into this lean hog market. It seems like we've been watching this $10 range. We're up to 72. We're back down to 63 and change. And now it looks like we're on our way back down looking at the December contract. What's it going to take? Are we strictly relying on some news from China to push us back up to that uh, 72 or even higher levels? You know, that seems to be what it's taken in order to get the market back up uh, above 70 to that 70 to 72 zone is uh, to have some rather extraordinary pork exports. And, uh, you know, you get the good numbers, and then it, it seems to back off. And, and we had a major low in early October, just above 63. Uh, had some lows uh, made on, on Friday, actually, uh, what, at about 63.72. So market is what uh, I would consider at the low end of the of the trading range that we've been in uh, really for about the past month and a half. Um, we have a lot of pork out there, um, and, and so that's something that we are continuing to fight. Um, we're, we're slaughtering a lot of these animals. But uh, in, the, in the very big picture, I do think that um, something that we're going to be looking forward to is, is how long it's going to take uh, not just China, but uh, Asia in general, to recover from the African swine fever. And uh, it does seem like, uh, you know, we're, we're on the rebound there. Um, but uh, I, I think we need to see some continued very strong pork exports to get the market back up to the upper end of the trading range. And if nothing else, uh, we just need the market to stop going down when we're at support, and we'll see some short covering. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to me to get this market above that 72 area, 
uh, into expiration. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I, I think we've got some very good support under the market as well. Brian, I want to take it over and talk the corn market. We've seen corn trade here in a range for quite a little bit now, just waiting, it seems like, until we get some harvest numbers, some solid harvest numbers. But yet we still have a lot of folks being delayed because of wet weather and now the potential of snow. Is there any reason to think that maybe the market will start to react to the delays before that January WASD? Well, it may just really depend on how the USDA uh, addresses yield in the November WASDE report. And um, the uh, USDA is going to resurvey uh, North Dakota and Minnesota. So um, we at agmarket.net internally feel that there is the potential to lose somewhere between two and 300 million bushels of production based on uh, the the weather that we've seen in, in the uh, in the northern plains and Minnesota, but uh, at the same time, uh, right now you've got harvest going on, and uh, there is going to continue to be harvest pressure. I do think that the yields that we've been hearing out of out of corn have been a little bit better than what a lot of producers have been expecting, compared to soybean yields have been consistently reported. Uh, you know, 10 to to 20 percent below uh, last year's really solid yield levels. Uh, when you look at what corn has done, um, and and you look at it on a front month basis, we we made highs back in June, and it was the July contract which was the front month when we did that, uh, and then we made some lows in in mid September, and it was the September contract when we made the, um, and when we had the uh, the Sunday night opening. Uh, two weeks ago, up at uh, that 401 level, uh, made a high of 402 and a half. That was a, a 50% retracement of the whole break from the summer high to the to the fall low. And I think until the USDA uh, acknowledges any further yield loss, which they may or may not, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's probably good enough for now. So I think what we really have to be careful of is. Uh, looking at the chart, December corn had some lows that were scored on the October WASDE report at 378 and a quarter. And as long as we're holding that set of lows, uh, then maybe the most optimistic I would get is that we're in a trading range where 380 is maybe the low end of the range and, and $4 is the upper end of the trading range. But if a producer is trying to wait to see if the USDA is going to give us a friendly report in November, uh, and they have bushels that they know they need to sell in the short term, and they want to, to see how that report comes out. Um, I, I think a 380 put right now in December is something that they can get a little bit of a worst case scenario established uh, under their their cash bushels. It's it's going for less than a nickel because I, I I know that if we do end up taking out that 378 and a quarter mark that was left on that October report, uh, it's going to turn the chart very negative. Uh, so I'd, I'd rather have the floor under the market if you want to see what the USDA says. Then if we retest $4, uh, you know, let the bushels fly. Uh, I've also had some producers that have been selling cash here recently, and uh, we've been going into March options, buying an at-the-money March call, and actually selling a, a short-dated March option that's priced off of the DS20 futures to help pay for that. Uh, because we do think that there is uh, some very good potential for the DS20 market to revisit somewhere between 360 and 380 next spring, as we've seen 
the last several December contracts do sometime in that March, April, May, June timeframe. Now, let's talk a little bit about the soybean market because, of course, we've got significant bushels being damaged again with this uh, bizarre harvest weather we are seeing. What's your take? When is USDA going to start to really factor this into their equation? Well, they did lower the yield in the October WASDE report, and I think the general consensus is that they should lower it again in November, but that does not mean that the market needs to keep going higher. Um, what I want to point out is that uh, the, the January soybean contract, and, and maybe first thing to tell everybody, all the listeners, is that November uh, soybeans, first notice day is Thursday the 31st on Halloween. So if anybody has any long future positions on November 19 soybeans, you have to be out of those by the close on Wednesday the 30th, or you run the risk of being delivered on. So you don't want that. Um, but just to paint a picture on, on the January contract, uh, market had a, a downtrend that was in place from the February highs to the June highs, our summer highs. Uh, we did spend the last two weeks trading above that downtrend, chopping around in about a 20 cent trading range. Uh, the close that we had on Friday took out that support. Um, it, was, it was a poor close, so now the chart looks bearish here. We took out the uptrend. Uh, we've got what looks like to me a, a daily double top. Uh, we had some highs made on January soybeans on October 14th and on October 22nd that were 959.5 and, and 959 respectively. That was a retest of the June highs that we had, our summer high at 959. So you've got a daily and a monthly double top. So one thing I would, would suggest to producers, uh, regardless of what you think the USDA could or should do with yield and what the balance sheets might look like, the chart is telling us that uh, we've just rallied almost a dollar from our September lows. Uh, basis has improved in a lot of areas. This may be a time to uh, make sure that any short-term sales that you know you need to make, uh, whether it's for cash flow or because you don't have room to store the beans, uh, that you make that now. And, um, you know, we're still really within about 20 cents of the, the uh, summer high and what would be the, the potential fall high. And if you want to have something in, on paper uh, to see if the USDA does lower yield enough to make this market make a, another leg higher, the February options just actually came on the board today. And uh, a February option would expire on January 24th. That would let you get a peek at the market through the final January production numbers. And, uh, you know, a, a call at the recent high that we just made on March soybeans at 970 would run about 16 cents. Uh, that may not be a bad way to replace some cash sales if you still want to be bullish, but you know you need to make some sales here on your cash product in the short term. Well, Brian, this has certainly been a lot of good information and we wanted to make sure and ask you before we let you go, agmarket.net, you guys are a little bit newer to the game here as a business, but you are comprised of a great team. Can you give our listeners a little bit more information about how they can reach out to you guys and work with you if they've got questions about their business or maybe want to put together their own risk management strategy? Yeah, absolutely. And you had mentioned that uh, the, the company itself is rather new. Uh, we formed the company at the beginning of 2019, uh, but the individuals that uh, comprise the company uh, have decades of experience. Uh, uh, myself, uh, Matt Bennett, Jim McCormick, and, and Bill Biederman. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, our phone number is 844-4-AG-MARKET. So it's 844-424-6758. And uh, that'll ring to our general line, and uh, uh, we'll be happy to 
get you in touch with whichever of the four individuals you might want to work with. Um, you can also look at our website at www.agmarket.net. Uh, we've got uh, some some information on there just to, to keep you up to date. We do a, a weekly webinar every Monday afternoon that uh, gives us our current thoughts every Monday afternoon from the team, and uh, we, you know we have information that we that we get out to our clients on a day to day basis as well uh, to help them with futures and and cash marketing. So uh, that would be how to how to get in touch with us, and and uh, please do if you have any questions. Awesome. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Delaney. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, huge thanks to Brian and the guys at agmarket.net for uh, jumping on, providing us with some timely insight here in the markets. Delaney, where can listeners go for more timely insight on all facets of agriculture? Well, Mike, I'm glad that you asked that because we have a ton of great information on our website, globalagnetwork.com. We also always have great information we're sharing on our social media handles. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, both at Ag News Daily or at Global Ag Network. With that, Mike, should we let the people go? Let's let them go, Delaney. <laughs>